The New York Knicks' biggest fan, Spike Lee, held nothing back when addressing the bizarre series of events that happened to him Monday night at the Garden. We addressed Spike's comments that made first take on Tuesday, and we also shared a little positivity after the Knicks' impressive win over the Houston Rockets and Leon Rose's debut as president of the team with our pal Mark Berman. And we're also joined by the newest member of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, the voice of the Knicks, the legendary, bang, Mike Breen. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide, a.k.a. Kaz. You can follow me on all social media at Kazim. That's K-A-Z-E-E-M. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all those good places. Rate us five stars and please... Please write a nice review. I love the compliments, and it really helps our rating. Mark Berman drops by in his weekly spot, and the iconic voice of not just the New York Knicks on MSG Network, but the entire NBA, the newest member of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, Mike Brain, joins the show. Let's talk about last night's incredible Knicks victory, shall we? You know, most franchises would be talking about a huge win over a playoff team like the Houston Rockets, but that's not how the Knicks do things. So as the garden turns, literally 12 hours after the Knicks' best win of the season over the Houston Rockets, 125 to 123, less than 24 hours after the New York Knicks have introduced Leon Rose as the Knicks president, and less than 24 hours after RJ Barrett has his best game of the season, the Knicks are in the headlines for all the wrong reasons once again. Spike Lee was just on first take this morning to address a video that was pretty bizarre that uh, went viral last night. See Spike clearly getting into a screaming match with uh, some some garden security. And uh, anybody who's ever been to anywhere in New York knows how some New York security can get a little bit overzealous. And, you know, I've been one of those people that have been, you know, got a little bit too big for my britches when it came to, uh, you know, bouncers and security guards. So we didn't really take too much of that into account because by halftime, we saw Spike Lee at his usual courtside seats. Spike Lee went to first take this morning and, you know, apparently wasn't really too happy about the press release that the New York Knicks put out about Spike Lee uh, addressing a bunch of lies that he said were told on his behalf. And uh, he got on first take and said, as soon as he saw the release, the news that the Knicks put out about him and addressed the lies that was talked about him, he immediately called Stephen A. Smith and got on first take. All the good karma I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this much. We already had an episode of Big Apple Buckets in the can, ready to go and ready to to release. That was probably going to be one of the best episodes we've done all year. We got Mike Breen on the show. We got Mark Berman, as always, talking about Leon Rose and the big win and R.J. Barrett looking like every bit the lottery superstar pick that he was. And now, you know, we had to jump back into the podcast <laughs> and talk about this because when a guy like Spike Lee is, uh, you know, saying he's done going to games this year, so he's not going to go back this year. But he'll go back next year. But he's done going to games this year. And Kaz, th this thing, Kaz, keeps taking turns. The Knicks PR just tweeted. And, you know, as we, we might have to record another podcast in another 20 minutes, because Knicks PR has now tweeted a statement on Spike Lee. And they have included pictures of the entrance, the media entrance, and 
Somehow they have a picture of Dolan shaking hands with Spike. So here's the statement from the Knicks following Spike's comments. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. Wow, this has reached new levels of petty. It's Spike Lee. When it comes to dumb controversy, when it comes to dumb mistakes, when it comes to things that shouldn't be tabloid fodder, they cannot help themselves. And now going tit for tat with your most famous and visible fan and supporter for the last almost 30 years now, probably longer than that. I mean, I just remember Spike being on, on, on the court side in his seat for the past 30 years right now. And now you're going back and forth with this guy? The Dolan era with the New York Knicks, I swear, like anytime you think they take one step forward, they don't take two steps back. They take 10 leaps backwards. They do backflips backwards, bringing some sort of goodwill to this fan base like why of all people you're gonna go against one of your biggest supporters in spike lee i don't it doesn't make any sense to me kaz it's almost like james dolan uh has the password of the next pr because this tweet is honestly comical i mean it has literally a picture of the entrance and a picture of them shaking hands it's almost like dolan took the pr guy's phone and said let me tweet this because that's not a pr comment this is like a a fan's tweet it's a normal person's tweet this is what they do all the time like there's no there's no excuses for this like great i understand if you have a vip entrance for every other celebrity in your arena that i understand that but Spike Lee isn't any other celebrity. He is as tied to the New York Knicks as Patrick Ewing is tied to the New York Knicks. He is probably more important. He carries more cachet than any other basketball player probably in the last 10, 15 years, not named Carmelo Anthony or Chris Nash Porzingis. This is Spike Lee we're talking about. It's not Jerry Ferrara. I love Jerry Ferrara. Well, well, the more bizarre thing is that he's been going 28 years in this entrance, and him not getting the warning is bizarre. Like, if you're going to do this, I agree, you shouldn't. But give him that warning, text him, give him a sign. They said they told him. So the statements he made is leave 33rd exit after his ticket scan, which you I mean, you literally legally can't do that and go to 31st Street and enter, which made no sense. And the statement, Kaz, that puts it in perspective is when he threw the numbers out there. Three hundred thousand a year. He's been paying the Knicks for these courtside tickets over 10 years. He's given them 10 million dollars. And he feels stupid now over 30 years, giving him that much money, and you can't blame him. Now, now he feels stupid? Now he feels stupid? I mean, you couldn't pay me to go watch some of those games sometimes. I mean, my God, when it comes to the New York Knicks, I feel like they're just an albatross for just controversy every single time. Like, you can't even blink. We couldn't even get 12 hours of good Knicks feelings before they're right back in the front page. Why? Just let this die down. You should have been the first people on the phone to say, Spike, our bad. We're sorry. How can we make this up to you? It's one of these things that's like, yo, if you don't appreciate what Spike Lee has done as far as support, why would anybody support this team? Why would anybody support this franchise? It doesn't make any sense. He said security ran after him like he was running out of Macy's stealing something. And it's like, my God, if you're a security guard working in Madison Square Garden and you got to hunt down Spike Lee, like, what, what, what are you thinking, security guy? Like, at this point, I'm looking at the security guard. I'm like, dude, it's Spike Lee. Let him rock. 
Where is he going to go? Does he pose a security threat to the garden? No. Is he going to, like, rob somebody? Is he a menace to society? Is he going to go into into the employee's uh, room and do something so awful and terrible that you have to reprimand him? No. It's Spike Lee doing what Spike Lee does. Go to the games, sit in his regular courtside seat, clapping it up, and doing what he has done for the past 30 years. And that's been the most visible and prominent Knicks fan in the history of Knicks fans. We're talking about this garbage, this nonsense with this franchise. I can't even fathom, can't fathom what it's like to be working at that place right now. It's, it's insanity to me. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm just frustrated when it comes to this, this organization, man. I can't, I can't believe it. They're unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's going crazy. <laughs> Westbrook against Nilakina. Drives, pull up, jump shot is up. Shot, no good! And the Knicks win! Knicks hold on! Leon Rose gets a victory in his first day as president of the Knicks. And that was the voice of our next guest, courtesy of the MSG Network. He just won the 2020 Kurt Gowdy Award, the newest Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, play-by-play voice of the Knicks on MSG Network, NBA play-by-play broadcaster on ESPN and ABC. He's called Knicks games for the past 28 years, the legendary Mike Breen. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Hi, Kaz. How you doing? Thank you for the nice words. Yeah, man. Last night was an incredible victory for the New York Knicks, man. And uh, in a day with a lot of change, even a little bit of controversy with the Spike Lee thing. Um, let's let's keep it on the court really fast. Like we saw R.J. Barrett, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Have you seen some promising signs from the young players on this team? Well, I think, Kaz, that was that was maybe the, the most fun part of last night's win because a number of the young players played really well. You know, Barrett has shown already that, that he's got a chance to be something special. He's only 19. You know, you saw early some impressive parts. Then he went through the usual roller coaster that most rookies go through, and he was really starting to play, I thought, his best basketball of the season when he sprained his ankle, and he missed those nine games. When he first came back, obviously a bit out of rhythm, uh, but the last several, and especially last night, to see him play with you know that kind of maturity that you don't see very often from many 19-year-olds was really fun to watch, and especially at the end, wanting to take that big shot down the end of the game when the Rockets uh, had that big comeback. So that was number one. The other guy, Mitchell Robinson, he, he, he did the same thing last year, Kaz. He, you know, he had his, his inconsistencies early in the season, and then he finished with such a surge, and he's just playing so much smarter now. I mean, he's an athletic freak. He's just, you know, he's got such great defensive instincts. But this year, he's really become a more consistent, uh, having more a consistent impact at both ends of the floor. And, and that was the case last night. And then you look at Frank Nilakina, who finished the game. I, it was, I thought it was, it was really interesting to see him stay out on the court. You know, in many cases, Mike Miller puts Alfred Payton out there to finish the game, but Nilakina did, and he came up with the big defensive play at the end, had a couple of big shots. So, if you're a Knicks fan, last night was, you know, that was the lottery in terms of, you know, obviously a tough year, but to win a game like that against a hot team with your young players coming through. Um, that's the type of stuff that uh, that gets you fired up. We met over All-Star Weekend with my guy Peter Rosenberg over at ESPN just literally hours after you just were awarded the 2020 Kurt Gowdy Award and getting into the Basketball Hall of Fame. All the accolades that you've achieved in your career, what does this getting into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame mean to you? You know, Kaz, it's hard, it's hard to put it into words because, as I've said a number of times, 
for me, winning the lottery was getting the Nick job 28 years ago uh, when I was announced as a, as a Nick radio announcer. And to be able to be broadcasting Nick games, the team that I grew up as a kid rooting for, you know, for that to be my career, to me, that that's uh, it's the ultimate lottery uh, in, in winning the, the jackpot. So other than that is is really gravy. And it's 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 so humbling and so overwhelming to get awarded for, for doing something that you love so much. Like I said, it's hard to put into words. The one thing I, that has been so wonderful about it is not only hearing from you know so many friends and colleagues, but being able to thank them because um, you know I, there's a heck of a lot of people who are responsible for me getting this award that that gave me so much help and guidance along the way that uh, it's been really fun to share it with so many people, uh, with family, friends, and colleagues. Obviously, you've created so many moments that live on in NBA history, and I think one that kind of sticks out for the past couple of years. One, we just celebrated the anniversary of it a couple days ago. Steph Curry pulling up from nearly half court against Oklahoma City, and another one in the NBA Finals, oh, blocked by James. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite call of your career because I know I have my favorites. What's your personal favorite? You know, Kaz, it's, I, I'm, I'm not to cop out on you here, but I, it's it's impossible to put it into one. Yeah, I've been fortunate to, to have the opportunity to call a lot of big games. The ones that stick out are, are obviously ones that kind of made an impact on whether or not it won a championship or not. And that block by James, if he doesn't block Iguodala's shot, Golden State probably wins that and Cleveland doesn't get their, their championship. So, that's certainly up there. Um, Ray Allen hitting the three-pointer in game six against the Spurs uh, in the 2013 championship. He doesn't hit that shot, and the Heat win that. Uh, or if he doesn't hit the shot, the Spurs win the title. And LeBron James doesn't get his back-to-back title. So it's, you know, those ones really stick out. But there are also, you know, there's some other ones. The, the John Starks dunk when I was still doing Knicks radio back in the day when he, he dunked over the Bulls. Um, Lynn Sanity was, was so special. When the Knicks won game seven against Indiana to go to the finals in 94. I mean, that, that's a big one as well. So it's, it's hard for me to just put it into one. But there's been a lot of Nick moments as the Nick broadcaster. And there's been a lot of really nice moments as a national broadcaster. Now, the New York Knicks uh, have a new president in Leon Rose, and there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of belief that Mike Miller is going to be the head coach of this team going into next season. You on ESPN work with guys like Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, two people that have been tied closely to that Knicks head coaching position going into the future. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, working with those guys as well, do you think that they are in line to be the next Knicks head coach? Well, I, I would not count out Mike Miller, uh, and I'll say this to you: in going around, uh, going around the league and talking to other coaches when I'm doing the ESPN games, I can't even tell you how many coaches have said to me, "Boy, I didn't know a lot about Mike Miller before, but that guy can really coach," and they're impressed with with how the the team has gone. You know, early with all the struggles to how well he has them playing together and structured. He's he's made a lot of big impressions. Over, over the course of the last couple of months around the NBA. And I'm sure Leon Rose is going to take a long look at Mike Miller and the job he did. I thought in his, his statement that he released, you know, one of the things he went out of his way to say was how impressed he was with Miller's his job and his professionalism and how he's handled what's a difficult situation. So uh, I wouldn't count him out. Um, and I think that's that's what we're going to see from Leon Rose over the next, next what is it now, month and a half before the season ends. He's going to look at everybody and see, 
see what he likes. And, and there's no question Miller has done an outstanding job. In fact, you mentioned Jeff Van Gundy. You know, obviously, I'm with him every weekend. Jeff has been so impressed with Mike Miller and coached with him for Team USA last year. So I don't think uh, I don't think you should count Mike Miller out just yet. I agree. I think Mike Miller's done the bang-up job this year. Walt Claude Frazier, he was our first guest on Big Apple Buckets. And, uh, you know, we all love Clyde, even in seasons when the, the – the kind of the season's kind of gone already. It's always it's always good to hear you and Clyde go at it, man. Like, talk to me about just working with him. What's your favorite thing that he says? Favorite thing that he wears? Like, just the Clydeisms that we all love and have grown to love over the past twenty. Well, plus guys, years. This, you put this for me under the category of you can't make this stuff up. When I was a kid, he was my he was one of my sports heroes. And I've told this story a bunch of times, so forgive me if, if people have heard it before, but you know, I put a poster up in my house when I was a kid in Yonkers uh, of him. And my mother still lives in that same house in Yonkers, and the poster is still up. So I go back and I see it, and I'm thinking, okay, back when I was a kid, here's my sports hero. And then I've been broadcasting with him for, for about 25 years now on TV and radio, and he's become a great friend. I just It's unimaginable from, from where I came from to – to have that and be able to sit next to him. His knowledge of the game and his still his enthusiasm for the game and his love for the Knicks. Yeah, he's he's hard on him uh, on a lot of nights, but his love for the team and wanting to do well is just, I think that's what the fans love. And, and I've, guys, I've been around a lot of professional athletes. I don't know if I've ever been around one that, that embraces who he is and so enjoys engaging with fans as much as Clyde. I mean, he's beloved. Wherever we go, he is beloved. And he's he's so wonderful with kids and with fans that you know want to talk about Game Seven of the Finals. I think I think in the times I've been with him, I think there must have been a hundred thousand people have told him that they were at Game Seven. And clearly, some people just want to do it to impress him. But he's just wonderful. And and on the air, you know, his vocabulary is is fantastic. What did, oh the word he used last night, in fact, is is one of my favorites. And talking about a player who's smart, he talks about their sagacity. I mean, just nobody else uses these words, and he uses them in such a, a beautiful way. Uh, but I think my favorite phrase was always when he talked about a really good, aggressive rookie. He called them the precocious neophyte. Yeah, he, yes, yeah. There's been a lot of them that have been precocious neophytes. So, um, so that's one of the keys. And and the um, the outfits. Uh, he just looks. The word "cool" is no longer really part of the vernacular anymore. But he's still cool. I, I, he hasn't changed at all. His outfits are wonderful. I love watching the opponents when they're on the layup line, checking him out, what he's wearing, because the the Nick players all know they're used to seeing some of the outfits. But when the opposing players look at it, they come over and they're like, they can't believe this or that. It's just, it's it's been one of the blessings of my life, and it's always been one of the the really the great parts of my job is working with him. As he said, he's calm and cool off the court away from it. I talked to him at Clyde's Wine and Dine, which he, you know, always drops that shameless plug. And he and I was writing for Nick's blog, and he said, make sure you write in the blog that I'm styling and profiling. You really have, I mean, you got to pinch yourself sometimes, Mike, sitting next to him and just hearing that. But I'm glad you brought up Precocious Neophyte because I know me and Kaz wanted to hear that. Yeah, the, the there's some nights you sit there and – you look to your right, and there he is. I mean, the word legend is thrown around way too easily. That man is a legend, and he is such a part of anybody who's been a Knicks fan. You, all right, so you think he started playing back in you know the late '60s? So he's been he's been part of the Knicks family for 50 years. 
So this is you're talking about generations of people that were impacted by the way he played and the way he's broadcast. And I think that's what, what resonates so much with fans. He's part of your family. If you're a Nick fan, whether you go to the games, whether you watch at home for all these years, he's part of your family. Mike, a lot of the best broadcasters in sports have their call. Gary Cohen has, it's out of here. Marv Albert has, yes. And you have Bang, the famous Bang call. Is there an origin story to Bang, or did you just come up with it one day? Is there a backstory to that? Well, I, I, I when I was a, a student at Fordham, you know, all of the, the students who were broadcasters then, and we did all the Fordham games, if we weren't calling the game that night, we were always in the stands as a group. You know, there's a whole bunch of us, uh, Michael Kay, obviously, uh, who, who's been a friend for over 40 years. We were broadcasting games together. Eddie Caginelli, who um, who works at the MSG Network with me. So we would stay in the fans and we'd start, you know, get fired up. It's your college team, so you get fired up. So whenever a Fordham player hit a big shot, when I was a fan in the stands, I would yell out, bang. And I tried it on the air a couple of times when I was doing Fordham radio as a student. And I didn't really love it at the time. But then when I started doing television, I found what I thought helped me was on big moments when the crowd's going crazy, you know, the energy is high, uh, it's better to be concise. And I thought, bang, a one-syllable word when the crowd goes up so you don't have to raise your voice above the crowd. I thought that was a pretty dramatic way to kind of call a big moment without having to, to talk too much because I think at big moments – that's almost the best time for a broadcaster to back off a little bit. I think less is more at those at those points and, and let the crowd take over in the excitement of the moment. So it, it worked when I started doing it. I kind of liked the way it. I got some nice feedback on it. And, and, and fortunately, it's been something I've been able to use for a lot of years. We've all grown up with the Knicks. We've all been there for the ups and the downs. And yesterday is one of those rare days that there's a small glimpse of optimism for the Knicks' future. How close do you think the Knicks are to finally turning it around, finally getting it right, finally putting out a product that is worthy of the billing that the New York Knicks bring every single night? Well, the, the thing is, guys, it's the whole key in, in, in the NBA right now is acquiring talent. You could have the greatest coach, you could have the greatest front office, but if you don't have the talent, you're just not going to win. That's what has to happen now. They, they have to evaluate talent, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in free agency, uh, whether it's in possible trade material, you have to evaluate the talent and then you've got to acquire it and then obviously develop it. And with the league, you could be, and we've seen this over a number of times, you know, you could be a middle-of-the-road team or even a bad team, but you get one or two major talents, and that's going to change everything. And people can talk about the free agent class uh, this summer. Oh, it's not a great free agent class. There's not a lot. But you never know if there's a superstar who all of a sudden is a little disillusioned with where he's at and all of a sudden tells his agent, tell them I want to be traded. So these things can come about. You also don't know in the draft, right? They're saying it's not the best draft of recent years. There's not one like clear-cut generational player. But that's happened many times, and all of a sudden there's two generational players in a draft. So the key is you've got to have people in the organization and in the front office who see that that gem, that hidden gem, uh, who see that player who, you know what, maybe because of lack of playing time he hasn't developed yet. I mean, just for an example, not to go off tangent, but a guy, I did a game the other day, Philadelphia and L.A., the Clippers, and Shake Milton, who's now starting because Ben Simmons is out, had 39 points. Now, he's not going to put up those kind of performances all the time, but here's a young man who hasn't had much of an opportunity, and all of a sudden he gets this opportunity on a big stage and he plays a game like that. So that's the kind of, the kind of players you have to find and develop 
And that's the whole key to it. And yes, you have to be patient because you don't want to take shortcuts. You don't want to just get a name because you think he might help sell tickets. And I think that's the whole key for that. Don't take shortcuts, but at the same time, you have to be bold in terms of trusting your instincts on how you evaluate talent and who you think is going to be a player that could help you get to that level that you guys speak about. Mike Breen, it is an absolute honor and a privilege to talk with a Hall of Famer, a voice of the Knicks, a voice of the NBA. Thank you so much for coming to Big Apple Buckets, man. Thank you for calling these games for the last 28 years. And once again, congratulations to being named to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, Mike. Thank you so much. Guys, I I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for the kind words, and it's always good talking basketball. Thank you. Thanks for the kudos. And like we always do at this time at the Big Apple Buckets podcast, my guest this week is a longtime New York Knicks beat writer, my good friend Mark Berman of the Post. I got Jake forgot to give you credit for breaking that big championship uh, honoring ceremony. So Listen, Mark, we know you were 21 years old at the time that uh, that next <laughs> team won the title. So uh, there you go. Good job breaking that story. Now it is official via the Knicks after. I mean, it came like days later or a week later. So yeah. you really had that inside scoop there. There were some grumbling grumblings among the uh, uh, some of the alumni players. They hadn't heard anything about having an event, so it's nice they will have one. And of course, Marv Albert won't be there. He wasn't there either for the. 40th anniversary celebrations uh, with his feud with James Dolan. Oh, man. Some some things just never change, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, let's, let's, let's get into some positive stuff, man. It's, it's rare that we get to talk to you on, a, I guess, we're on a two-game win streak and a huge upset win against the Houston Rockets last night. How big a win was this for this young Knicks team this year? Uh, it was a great victory. Uh, it was only the third time uh, Mike Miller's Knicks have beaten a winning team. Uh, his record isn't horrible, but mostly his victories have come against uh, the bottom of the barrel. So Mike D'Antoni is 7-0, and was 7-0 and against the Knicks since he took over for the Rockets. And for Leon Rose's first day to end with such a great victory with their building block, R.J. Barrett, getting to the basket for that lefty runner to win the game. I mean, it was a great start for Leon. And I honestly thought the Knicks had a sharpness all night. Leon had addressed the players at the morning shoot-around. A little bit of a pep talk. We're all in this together. So I think that had an effect. Yeah, I mean, uh, Leon Rose, he, he kind of went the anti-Steve Stout route. He didn't have a big thing. You didn't see him on first take. He wasn't doing a big grand introduction. Just a, a letter to the fans and a picture at the practice facility, and he was right to work, man. So tell me about this famed pregame speech or, 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 or introductory speech that he gave to the team that guys like Kevin Knox, Frank Nilekina, R.J. Barrett sang the praises of at the postgame presser. Well, they talked about it before the game, but I, I think the bigger picture is these guys know that they are on an audition right now. Uh, no one knows for sure. Uh, who's coming back. Leon Rose is not attached to any of these lottery picks. He's not attached to Dennis Smith Jr., who was obtained in the Przingis trade. So everything could change next season. But these players know Leon is evaluating, and that's one of the things he said to them. You know, this is my evaluation period. I have no preconceived notions. But he acknowledged one thing that I thought was interesting. He acknowledged the adversity this team has faced this year, not just with the fired coach, 
uh, and the fired president, but he mentioned the family tragedies that have occurred with Reggie Bullock's sister, uh, Randall's grandmother, and Dennis Smith's stepmother. And I think that touched some of the players that Leon brought that up also. Yeah, so, I mean, Leon Rose obviously is well-respected throughout the entire NBA. And, uh, you know, from people like Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade have all sung the praises of him and the Knicks hiring him. So what does Leon Rose actually mean to this franchise? And to go in day one, make an immediate impact and connection with these guys, not just on a professional level, but a personal level as well. Yeah, and that's another thing he told uh, the players that he'll be traveling to every single road game. Steve Mills didn't quite do that. He was uh, on many uh, road trips, but not all of them. Scott Perry uh, did make all the trips, but he he wants to learn them. Uh, He wants to get to know them better, and he told them that. Leon doesn't know most of these guys, and he really wants to get to know them and evaluate them on the court, too. I mean, he wants to see them off the court, but... You know, Leon is going to be watching every single possession uh, to figure out who he wants to move on with. Yeah, speaking of uh, evaluations and, you know, who he wants to move on with, one guy they're definitely going to move on with next year is R.J. Barrett, who has looked like a completely different player in the last two games, especially from long range. Are you seeing R.J. Barrett become more confident as a player? Well, he's always confident. I mean, that's what Mike... Miller said after the game, ever since we've worked with him at the summer league, his confidence never wavers, even if he's zero for eight from the field. What's beautiful about his recent stint is the efficiency. His shooting percentage is strong, 10 of 18 last night, and from three-point range, three of eight, which is very good for him. Uh, It it hasn't just been the the last two games. It's probably been five or so since the All-Star break. Miller says his ankle was definitely not 100% when he returned. He was out nine games, and I think he came back maybe a little too soon, but now he looks great, and just him hitting the three ball and getting to the basket, that combination is marvelous, and everyone you know, was wondering going into the All-Star break, what do the Knicks have in R.J. Barrett? Do they have a potential All-Star? And right now, you could say maybe. That maybe is music to a lot of Knicks fans' ears, I'll tell you that much. Well, Mark, it's always good talking to you each and every week right here on Big Apple Buckets. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. that's a wrap thank you for tuning in for the 20th week in a row on big apple buckets with the new york post thanks to our producer jake brown and our new associate producer alex camarada for making the magic happen each and every week hit subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen rate us five stars write a nice review while you're at it i don't know make a sandwich have a drink enjoy it but please we need those ratings and those comments and as we do each and every week we will catch you all next tuesday on big apple Apple Buckets. Peace out.